remember having a conversation with someone a couple years ago, and he was so struggling with this idea of surrender. Like, I, I hear Christians talk about it, and I hear my counselor, and he was in a, trying to correct some life habits that needed to be adjusted so that he could continue to live. <laughs> and he kept coming back to this reality of trying to process this idea of surrender that for us as believers in Jesus Christ, the entrance into the kingdom that's been made available to us through what Jesus did, that the entrance into that is simply a bent knee before the cross of Jesus Christ. A position of the heart that says, yes, I need a savior. And I acknowledge that Jesus is the only one that can do it. And I recognize the reason he can do it is because God raised him from the dead. And if you get that little piece right, all of a sudden you discover you have entrance into the light. A surrendered heart. And he couldn't, he kept, he's like, well, how do, how do I do that? I, I've tried this and I tried that and I've been doing this and I just don't feel his presence. I don't feel like, I feel like if I wasn't in this situation right now, all protected, if I went back out, I'd fall right off the cliff again. And he's like, I don't know what, I was like, I just can't do it. I keep trying, but I can't. I was like, that's the problem. You're trying. Surrender is giving up. <laughs> if you watch some of the movies, there's some pretty amazing recreations of, of major global conflicts, armies of major world powers fighting each other. It makes for great entertainment. Hollywood has done a great job of recreating some of those um, historic events, and they're fun to watch, and they're they, always, they always grab the attention of so many people that are interested in history and want to understand these great conflicts that have touched on the planet. And when the enemy surrenders to the one who wins, they stop fighting. They give up. They just say, okay, we're yours now. All our weapons that we were just using to shoot at you and to use against you, they're on the ground. We've laid them down. Everything that we were dedicating our lives to to destroy you and to wipe you off the face of this earth, we lay it all down. We now belong to you. And in that posture, a lot of times, if we know history a little bit, we know that the winning side would just execute all of those who were fighting for fear of, you know, they'll get strong again, and then there'll be an insurrection from the inside, and are they really surrendered? Are they just putting it on because they know they're going to die if they don't, or that's what the general told them to do, you need to surrender now, and did they really surrender at a heart level, or is it just an outward show, and it gets complicated, and a lot of times they would just wipe out the opposing, you know, they save the best ones, maybe the doctors or the, the highly intellectual uh, ones that they conquer, but the rest of them is just bullet off with the head, bury them, whatever they're going to do, that's just the nature of being the winning side in a war where you're trying to kill each other and now one side says we're done fighting. And yet we come to a kingdom that we have been given entrance into through what Jesus Christ did on the cross.
not only does he not wipe us out, He offers us the victory that he fought so hard for at the cross and won on our behalf. He gives it to us. The Bible says when we were his enemy, bound in sin, that that's when he died for us. I think I've been guilty just in my own life and even in my own preaching. I just make it too complicated. Say I'm making it simple, but that's the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gravity that ever strikes your heart. It's hard to just, we complicate so much. <laughs> we complicate so much. It's part of human nature. We tangle it all up and Paul warns us in his writing, I believe, to the Romans, I think. Be careful. Guard yourself unless the same way that the serpent deceived Eve led humanity into darkness that we would be robbed from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus that we needed a savior we were at odds with the one who's holy we were found in a condition unholy just by the way we were born people want to argue about whether they're a good person or not or whether they did good things or bad things it wasn't about that you were born into the slavery of sin and death we were all born gonna die Every day is a gift because it's one more day on this side of that moment when we won't be on the planet anymore. And the reality that he's watching over every moment that he's given to us to see, will we come to know him? Will we come to appreciate him? Some of the most undeserving folks get embraced by the arms that he has for them. Of no goodness of their own. <laughs> the guy on the cross, right? You know, just getting what he deserved, and yet he just acknowledged that Jesus is someone who didn't deserve what he was getting. And in that simple little act of alliance with, hey, just defending him a little bit and saying, hey, stop picking on him. Like, he didn't, we're just getting what we deserve. He's not. He's clearly a good person. Just off of that, Jesus said, you know what, today we'll get to hang out and talk on the other side of all this pain and this misery in a place called paradise. His arms are just so open. His love is so vast. His grace is so powerful. And I just, I think we all have to come to places in our life where if you want to get closer to Jesus, some of what you have to start doing is stop trying. And I'm going to read a scripture that seems exactly, completely, and totally opposite to this. <laughs> because God's not looking for weak, unmotivated people that are just up for whatever, that don't have any grit or spine. In fact, I was going to just read this if I had time, and I didn't even know if this was part of the message, but if you want to go there, this is a long passage. If, I don't know if you guys really want to try to put it on the screen. It might get confusing. I'll probably stop and, and start. I just put this in during worship because the idea of this idea of what happens in Genesis 32 came, and I looked it up as we were worshiping, and I put the passage of scripture in my notes, and course this morning my tablet is the first time ever they let me down it went from 79 percent to 14 percent in one 
off, turned itself off and turned itself back on and it was 16% left. So I've got my little tablet today. And that's where I put this passage of scripture. I just, I don't know. I think we're all just busy beyond what we should be. We're probably all taking on too much and we're all probably wrestling with things that are beyond our ability to accomplish and that's why we need a savior. That's why we need Jesus. And I just don't wanna try to put anything on this morning. It's just not what the Holy Spirit would like us to do. Surrender wasn't even in anything of what I was thinking this morning for our message. And so it's just as we sang that song and then we came back to it and as we heard that word, that we just come to him with open arms. His arms are open. We come to him, we lay it down, and he receives us. The punishment we deserve, he's like, that's okay. I already took that on myself. I don't need anything from you. Just keep your life laid down. Keep your posture before me humble, and I'll use you. Give you a new life. But I want to contrast everything that I've just said with this passage because I don't know if you follow what's happening in a really special place called Israel. So, so special. God's heart is so intertwined with that people. It's amazing. You know when the world needed rescue and the world needed a way back to light? You know what God chose to use? wasn't an angel, wasn't the most powerful force that he had created in heaven, wasn't the supreme spiritual being, was a man. Jesus continually called himself a man, the son of man. They had to really press him to get him to say anything other than that. Like, are you saying you're the son of God? He's like, oh, you said it, not me. He was always very elusive. He called himself the son of man. The son of man has not come but to seek and to save the son of man. He was a man. It needed to be a man to redeem mankind, humankind. And he starts the nation that we now know as Israel and the territory that was promised to Abraham, his grandson, Jacob, finds himself at odds with his twin brother who was supposedly going to be the one to get the birthright, but he was only a couple minutes early, and I think Jacob felt like, well, we both shared the same space for long enough. It's as much mine as yours, and so he contends for his birthright, and he kind of steals it, in a sense, from Esau's brother, and uh, either way, God loved him, what he said about him. But in verse 24 of Genesis 32, just listen to this. Just just try, try, and, try and absorb what's happening here. It's just so... This is so strange to the modern spirituality that we call Christianity. In many ways, it's become more of a cult. It's more of an iconic leader following where we, we pick these people and we kind of say, yeah, this is our guy. This is our one. This is the one that we're after. And this is what we, we read what they write and we study what they do. And we, we've made it so much more about Christian leaders than it is about the, the person that's in the name, which is Christ, Messiah. And Messiah is born through this group of people, this lineage of who God calls his chosen people. He chose this individual. And I want to just read the the context of how this happened. It says in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And that man, when you read that word uh, in the King James, it's a capital M in the Hebrew uh, text also uh, gives capitalism, uh, reveals in the way that they write this that there is a, a supreme God 
substance to this person. It's not just um, you know, it's not just some guy living out in the wilderness that decides to try to wrestle Jacob for his, for his life or for whatever. Capital M, man. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And verse 25 says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, again, the he is capitalized. It's talking about the one who is wrestling, this God figure. Did not prevail against Jacob. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. I don't know about you. I haven't, I'm over 50 now, so I don't make fun of people that say they have hip pain as I did when I was in my 30s. I could never understand what's this thing about hips. Like, it just seemed to be common language after you get to a certain age. I thought, that's, that's ridiculous. My knees, oh, I had knee surgery. My ankle, you twist your ankles as, you know, you maybe sprain your wrist. You do all these things. You jam your finger, but your hips? Like, what is all this talk about hips? And so now... Uh, my wife and I both, well, she has an excuse. She's given birth a few times, so I think things probably, but me, I'm like, I'm in good shape. I'm like, what the heck is with, why do I have to find just a certain way to sleep so that my hip doesn't start burning, you know? And so I have, I have repented, clearly, and I'm, I'm now working through my own learning to stretch and maneuver and sleep in the right positions and eat the right things and supplement my diet in the ways that I'm doing pretty good right now, thankfully. So I don't know, but the little bit that I've tasted of it, I don't know how your hip is out of socket and you continue in a wrestling match with someone that has divine strength. <laughs> I'm not going to show your hand if you have had hip pain, but I'm sure I could call on a few people who I know have had replacements. And you did that, all that work to get that resolved because the pain is just, it's un, you can't live with it. You're just going to be immobile your entire reality until you deal with what's causing that kind of pain. And so... It says his hip was out of socket, and he continued to wrestle with this person that shows up while he's there sleeping uh, all by himself, getting ready to go back to meet his brother, who was probably going to kill him. And there's a lot of, the story has a lot of backstory to it. This is just the moment. And so the the messenger and, and he, the one from heaven, said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Keep in mind, this is the person that God chooses to be the one to form a nation around that he will one day give the promised land to, that he will one day send Messiah through, that he will one day come back as the resurrected Messiah and put his feet down in that place for these people to see. A place that didn't even have these group of people there until the 40s, the late 40s and 50, early 50s. That place, that people, miraculously reestablished in the place, just like God promised Abraham, I'm going to make your seed like the sand of the sea and no one can count them. This is happening before our very eyes. This precious reality is happening in our time, in our vision. We can see the cameras to show us that this is now a, a, heat, it's a hot spot again on the planet because wherever God says, this is mine, the enemy will always attack it. He will use barbaric means to do it. He will use hideous things that we wouldn't even talk about in a church fellowship to try to bring fear into this group of people that God says is mine. And we call ourselves his too. We're his chosen people because we've been grafted into Israel. If you don't know the theology of that, it's very simple, it's very basic. We've been grafted into the olive tree, which was Israel. 
as a Gentile group of believers. And we now share from the same roots, which is the roots that go all the way back to Abraham. He's the father of faith for us and for the Jews. And you have to understand this reality. God hasn't changed his mind. He doesn't make a promise and then give up on it. He starts it and he finishes it. It's true for our faith. It's true for our righteousness, our salvation. It's true for the Jewish people. And you've got to understand this or everything's going to be very confusing. You're going to think there's two sides to choose from when you watch the news. There's not. There's only one. God's side always wins. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you win. You may stop breathing, your heart might stop beating, but you still win because the new life is available through Jesus Christ. What he paid for, what he gives to you when you surrender to him is now yours forever. Nobody can take that from you. No one can pluck you from his hand. And this is what's happening. And so this is this individual that God's about to use to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham, his grandfather. And he says... And so he says, let me go for the daybreaks. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He understood. Like, if that's me, I'll say, I'm not letting you go until you put my hip back in place because I can hardly breathe right now from the pain. He didn't even say that. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. There's something about the attitude here that I need to understand for myself. I wouldn't say I've given up. But the temptation is always there. If you're trying to take ground for the Lord, there will always be the opportunity to give up. There will always be the opportunity to say, you know what? Enough is enough. I have had enough. My hip's out of joint. And he says, no, I'm not letting you go. And God, we'll read what happens next. There's something about his tenacity that was willing to go through all that he went through just to make sure that he got the blessing that was supposed to go to his brother. God says, man, I can, I can use that. Years later, he grows up, he's successful. He's coming back into the land that he had to flee from because of what he had done to his brother. And he's immediately meeting God on his way back in. And God's just saying, hey, wait a minute. I don't know where you think you're going, but we've got business to take care of. And he has this match with him where he's wrestling with him and he's, there's this contest going on and his hips out of joint. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And so God, so he said to Jacob, what is your name? Like he didn't know. And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. There it is. A nation was born in one man. In one moment. With a hip out of joint. Excruciating pain. Wondering why couldn't I just get the night's sleep that he wanted to have one last night before he went to meet his brother and possibly lose everything that he'd accumulated, including his family. He was concerned for all of it. In fact, he split his clan up into two groups and said if he annihilates the first one, at least there'll be some of us that survive to go and maybe carry on the lineage. He was about to face something he thought could be the end, and he encounters this reality, and all of a sudden he realizes, what I need more than anything else in this life is to be blessed, to know that heaven is smiling over me. You know how many Christians don't even believe that God smiles over them, that he loves them, that when they were there, he was their enemy, that he loved them and died for them, and they're still wrestling with, does God even know that I exist? It's such a heartbreak. It's such a, it's the enemy's work. It's the proof that he's real. It's the proof that he's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's the proof the enemy has come to do that. Because he has robbed from people the very most basic thing that Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you a full life. The enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy I've come to give you life. That's 
the reality that's happening on the world right now, but people want to ignore that there's really an evil side and a good side. They want to just mix it all together, and they wonder why there's such confusion. There is light and there is darkness. There is good and there is evil. There is just wicked, disgusting terrorist actions, and then there are people trying to fight for the preservation of the nation that God gave them. And if it's become something muddled in your mind from that, get back to the word and discover. Embrace it by faith or realize you're going to sign up on the losing side. And you will not be blessed. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse Israel are Be careful. Sensationalism and emotional news will twist you, will confuse you, will make you think there's two. There's not. There's only one side. It's God's side. If you want to win, if you want to get crushed, then read the book. Find out how he's crushed the evil time and time and time again on this planet. The Lord is a just God. He's a holy God, and he wins. And he will do whatever he needs to to win. Jacob's tenacity here makes no sense to me. It violates so much of what I picture being a good Christian follower of Jesus Christ to look like. Yet this is the man, his name meant supplanter, meant someone who took what really didn't belong to him. And God says, you know what? This tenacity, this inner fire, I'm going to breathe on this. I'm going to build a nation of people because when it gets hard, they won't give up. They'll keep fighting. No matter what the odds are, they'll continue. This isn't just for them. This is for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Do you know that we are also in a war? We're given armor. We're given protection. We're given sword of the spirit, shields of faith, all these helmets of salvation, the reality of that we're in a war seems to just evade people that just want an easy a ticket to heaven or something. Amen. Those days may have happened in America. There was once a time when America was that place, but it's not that. In fact, you know what? I'll read this now. I didn't know when I would read it, but I'll read it right now. You think America hasn't changed? This is an old, my dad's got old boxes of newspapers. They're pretty cool to look through. 1956, September 3rd. Why, a city newspaper, the YMCA is kind of happening in they're putting in the paper. I mean, it's just every day you got, I think, a morning and evening news. You could, it was just amazing. The value, that's how people knew what was going on. It says, this is about how the YMCA was being formed. Listen to what it says. In a mainstream newspaper, the Young Men's Christian Association we regard as being in its essential genius, a worldwide fellowship of men and boys united by a common loyalty to Jesus Christ for the purpose of developing, developing Christian personality and building a Christian society. Most of us know a very different side to the YMCA now, and it's because it was taken out. It was taken over by the one who's always going to take what's good and try to pervert it and make it belong to the side of darkness. Yeah, there's, there's more. But, I mean, loyalty to Jesus Christ is the mission that they were trying to get A facility established for people that didn't know how to connect with God and to find Jesus. That they could go to this place called the YMCA and they could be taught and trained about how it is to serve and to follow Christ. This place has changed. And it's going at a pace that you can't keep track of how bad it's getting and how fast it's getting there. And I feel like this, the challenge this morning to me and to anyone who can hear it is, where is your Jacob-like tenacity? Will God be able to build upon what we leave behind on our descendants because they've inherited some of the grit that we have decided is worth instilling into them? I loved it this morning. I don't know if you noticed, it was like eight of our boys from like eight to 12. Maybe Liam's older than that, but he's this ringleader out there with them. And they're all in the, not drizzling, it's pouring rain. 
They're all up here in the front worship. You can see which ones because their heads are soaking wet. They're out in the rain playing, getting soaked, playing football. And I'm like, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is what it's supposed to be like. Boys should be boys. So they get a cold. Their noses are running. Yeah, we got to take care of them, give them some vitamin C and whatever. And then they're stronger for it. Their immune systems are boosted for it. We become so quick to try to contain and control our environments. And we don't realize we're spinning out of control, whipping through space. And our only hope is that God would bless us and keep us and watch over the way that we walk in. Because times are getting so dark that if you're not standing for light, you're going to be so swept into the darkness, you won't even know which way to go to look for the light. It's been so perverted, it's been so twisted. What's called love is actually just the most vile, wicked, disgusting, perverse behavior that you can ever imagine. And poor, innocent children are being victimized by the brutality and the mutilation that's happening to their very bodies, all in the name of enlightenment and growth and human development. It's sick and it's perverse and it's twisted and it grieves the heart of God. And so Jacob responds after God tells him, oh, here, let me finish this, what, she, what, what God, the angel says. He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men. His whole life was best. He was just, the fighting was always around this guy. And you have prevailed. With a hip out of socket, he earns the respect of God If you've known any great intercessors in your life, you listen to them and sometimes it sounds like they're being sacrilegious. It's like, who do they think they are? They can't talk to... Maybe you haven't known any. You ought to get to know some because we're going to need them. We're going to need to become them. We're going to need some folks like Moses to say, hey, wait a minute, God, you can't wipe these people out. What is the world going to think when your chosen people are now taken out in your wrath because they're acting like bratty kids? And God changes his heart and he relents from what he was about to do. This book is full of a real engaging relationship with God that most people don't want to touch. They don't want the responsibility of wrestling with God. They don't want to think about what it might look like. They just want this God they can put in a box and have theological rules to line up on both sides and say, oh no, it's this, it's this, and I'm saved, I'm always saved, and thank you, Jesus, and I'm just going to dance my way through the rest of this life. And they miss the engagement of the relationship. That's what this generation is looking for. They're looking for, is there something to fight for? Is there something that if I don't win, I die? Yes. Yes. You look at what's happening with the young men in Western civilizations, how many of them by the thousands are just being, hundreds of thousands are being wiped out through just drugs that give them a momentary feeling of euphoria, and then the next minute they're dead and their heart stops beating. The enemy is real, and he's ratcheting down because he knows his time is short. The Bible says it's going to happen this way, and we have got to be those who are ready to engage with this process, to wrestle with some of these things. When stuff happens that doesn't make sense, they say, oh, that's just the way it is. God's in control. It's not scriptural. You can theologically patch the scriptures together to make that a very theologically sound argument. But I'm telling you, at the heart level, the grit of who God chooses in this book, they are not the passive. Maybe you could argue Gideon. I don't know. But he still got up and did something. He still took 300 men against hundreds of thousands of Midianites in the middle of the night with a few lanterns on jugs with, you know, jugs covering the light. The days are real. We heard it this morning so clear. The time is now. The time to come into the place of illumination is now. 
We heard it in class this morning at 9 o'clock. Rich and Diane, and I'm sure downstairs in Pastor Cordo's class, the same reality, that we are at the wrap-up of something that's so grand, and the greatest concern I would have that I would miss out on it because I didn't want to engage with the process of wrestling through some of the stuff that's going to twist your heart up, it's going to confuse your mind sometimes, but you're going to have this grit that says, I don't know why my hip's out of socket, I don't know why I'm not just able to sleep, isn't God a God of peace, why am I turbulent, why am I striving, why am I struggling, why is all this stuff happening, and he's just there saying, come on, don't stop, keep going, it's making you stronger. That's what he's after. That's what he'll use in this last day that we're on this planet. He cannot use the passive. He cannot use the ones that need a recipe to follow. He can use those who have something inside of a hunger that says, yes, I need more than just this. Put in my time and die and go into the earth. And so he says to, he says, you've struggled with God and with men and you've prevailed. In verse 29, Jacob asks, saying, now you tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? <laughs> this, you imagine, this guy takes you, just touches your hip and it pops out of joint. He has all this power. And you just ask him like at the end of this, like, you, it says that Jacob prevailed in the way that it's recorded. But clearly, I mean, this guy's hip's out of socket. I run out of batteries or did somebody trip and fall on the board up there? Oh, there we go. So maybe somebody fell asleep and come revive you. Then Pastor Cordo up there to bring you back. At least you didn't fall out the window. That's good. Good job. Then if that could, Ish would go lay on you and you'd come back to life. You got to read the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, that's going to sound really weird. So it's in the book. It's a miracle. Paul did it. It's not, it's not heresy. I promise. He says, I just want to, who are, what's your name? And coyly, <laughs> basically says, don't worry about it. Like, Why do you want to know my name? And immediately says, and he blessed him there. Now, I don't know what that felt like. I don't know what happened if he had oil with him. And he did the traditional Jewish blessing where they would anoint someone with oil. And now they would carry what that anointing represented, that authority, that, that privilege to go in and to become the father of many nations. He says he blessed him there, and so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Again, no mention of the hip that's out of socket. The blessing of God upon your life, the inner knowledge and knowing, the depth of confidence, knowing that he is watching over whatever's going on, will bring you through things that no other force on this earth can bring you through. People think relief is what's going to get us through. Not according to this. Listen to how this goes next. And just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Now just visualize that for a minute. Sun's coming up on the horizon. Low, it's flatland. The, sun, the sun's coming up. And here's Jacob, says he's walking along just limping. Like, out of a, like something straight out of a John Wayne movie. Like he's the last one standing. Everybody, everything's gone. The village is burned. But here he comes out of there. And he's, you know, he's, he's dragging his leg behind him. But he's still going, walking towards the sunrise. That's what, it, that's what it was that morning. But he was blessed. Why was he blessed? The, the messenger, God, whoever. There's all the books that are written about who was this. Was it Michael? Was it Gabriel? Was it Jesus? Was it 
God himself. He blessed him. And he blesses him because he said, you struggled with God and with men, and you didn't stop. I don't know, this might... Let me just finish. Verse 32. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel still do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscles that shrank. It's still a sacred piece of the body of an animal when they're going to eat, that they don't eat it because out of respect for the moment when heaven came and blessed Jacob, even though left him with his hip out of socket with with a miserable limp, I'm sure. different right doesn't seem like the the way that we kind of have God's operations defined into our little boxes that we need it to be neat and quick and explainable there are going to be things that happen that are just not going to be explainable explicable whatever the right word is they're going to defy national rationale like we spoke last week about the peace that passes understanding that when God stands guard over your heart you're going to be safe. There might be discomfort. There might be, you might be limping off into the, into the sunrise, hoping that the next thing that you face isn't your brother about to kill you anyway. But you contended and you found a place where God blessed you. This is almost like a... I don't know. I was going to say a reverse altar call started by talking about how it's just about surrender and yet in that surrender is there any fight left in us I love that this is opposite because only the Holy Spirit is going to be able to speak to you about it if it's not the Holy Spirit you're going to be confused it's both and at the same time we surrender the things of the flesh and the deeds of darkness as we heard read this morning but we fight and we contend for the things of light for the blessing of God for the outpouring of his spirit the laboring in prayer speak to an intercessor about fasting and prayer people have forgotten that these things are part of what we've been what we've inherited in the roots of our faith that things don't just fall out of heaven easily all the time it's great when they do He's a kind God who all he asks of us is just to kneel down and to surrender. That's the entrance in. But it's a kingdom of immeasurable violence. It's a kingdom where only the violent can take it by force. It's only where the strong and the courageous choose to fight through the stuff that the world would have just said is not worth it. But we see a value in it that they don't see. And because of their souls and because of the souls of those who, it says that they hang in the balance sometimes of the way that our prayers are being reserved in heaven on their behalf, that intercession that we stand in the gap that if we humble ourselves and pray God can still heal our land but it won't be because the land gets so miserable and there's so much suffering it'll only be if those who are called by his name come into a place of realizing that we still matter that there's something to contend for that there's a God that made a promise and it's not just automatic Jacob went through the rest of his life named Israel and it was a constant battle and it's a battle 2,000 3,000 years later And yet he's fulfilling something that this world never believed could happen. He's creating a space for him to return to. (laughs) A space that didn't even exist until in some of our lifetimes. 
at least it existed, but it wasn't possessed by the right people that he said he was coming back and they were going to see in the same way that he went up, that Jewish people were going to be there to watch him return as Jews. I just wrap up with this thought because it's one other thing that just... We could read through Ephesians. If you've never read the book of Ephesians, could you do me? Can you just read? It's like four chapters. Read the book of Ephesians. You can get through it before Tuesday or Wednesday. It's easy reading. Just it's 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 letter form. It's just a letter that Paul wrote to a church. It's it's so. There's so much in there. I would have preached that this morning if I didn't feel led to share what I shared. But in it is this overall picture of perspective. Paul's writing from a place of having seen what he saw and knowing that there's an end to this walk that he's on. He knows this path doesn't end in futility. He has been and seen the fight, and he said, I can't talk about it, but he knew what awaited for him and for all who believed and who were celebrating the return of Jesus Christ. And it all has to do with perspective. He's, he uses phrases like seated in heavenly places with Christ. He always It's always up. We heard this morning a prophetic word come forth forth in the class about being eagles, about rising up as eagles, about ascending to a place where you're looking down on the stuff rather than being on this lateral plane just shooting arrows at one another because we see things differently. And this idea of a bicycle is the best way I can think to maybe explain it. If you're on a bicycle and you're going forward, which way are your tires rotating? Clockwise or counterclockwise? Clockwise? How many clockwises do we have? How many counterclockwises? How many people have figured out where I'm going? You might have come up here and explain it to everybody. It depends which handlebar you look over. No, I'm serious. It's worth thinking about for a minute. This is where people get confused. Ah, oh, Joe got it. He's smiling and everything. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you look over the right handlebar and you're going forward on a bicycle, can you see it in your mind? I have a pretty photographic way of seeing things. Can you see which way it's turning? Looking over your right handlebar. Go with you. Make it easy. Your right handlebar, you lean over. You look at your front tire. You're going forward. Which way is it turning, clockwise or counterclockwise? Now, how about the left handlebar? What if you look on this side? Same tire. Oh. He thought I was really, truly, he was like, okay, he's acting crazy this morning. Now we know he's lost it. He's out there. There's no hope. <laughs> it depends on your perspective. It depends which side you're looking at it from. Now, here's the best part, and I hadn't seen this until I thought about it this morning. What about when you're on the bike and you're right in the middle and you're just looking down at your front tire when you're driving forward? Which way is it going then? Forward going forward. Guess what God sees? Forward. Guess what you see when you're seated in heavenly places with Christ? Forward. The people stuck on this three-dimensional plane, looking left and looking right, and they're confused. They're like, wait, I thought he said that. And they're like, no, wait, I thought he said that. You're looking at it from the side. God looks down and he sees a, a shepherd, thinks he made it big, and he's coming back with all his flocks and stuff, and he's going to go and hopefully make amends with his brother or maybe die. He's not sure. And 
He doesn't see, did he do it left or did he do it right? Was he clockwise or counterclockwise? He just sees he's moving forward. His older brother was just kind of stuck. He had a piece of land, and he was just finishing out his days there. He had no movement. He wasn't going into foreign lands to try to find a wife, and he wasn't. Jacob was moving. He was determined to get something out of this life that maybe people thought he was crazy for. He was seen as a rebel, a renegade, someone who God could have never possibly used. His name even meant something that was anti-godly, thief or stealer, supplanter. And God's like, no, when that life is surrendered and his hip's out of joint and he's walking off into the sunrise, I'll know how to use him. Maybe this is more of a message for a men's retreat or something. I don't know. Sorry, ladies. That's a pretty masculine message, I guess. But if you're a woman of faith, you understand. Maybe if you're an intercessor, you understand. There's, as soon as you decide, okay, I'm just going to devote this time and begin to just pray for the nation, for, for your family, for, you know how much just tries to come in and just distract from that. It's because there's power in it. It's because when we contend for this faith that we've been given, it came freely when we just surrendered, when we fell to our knees. But man, the calling that brings us up, you watch how Apostle Paul lived his life. There's not a moment of slack in that life. He's shipwrecked, he's stoned, he's beaten, he's left for dead. He's all the things that happened to him. But there's one thing about his life, and it was that it was always forward. Let's just stand together this morning. Lord, I just thank you this morning. I, I just feel that I've used the words you wanted me to use. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just act on the ones that, uh, that you truly sent forth from me this morning, that for whoever needed to hear them or who could hear them, that they would bear fruit, not just temporary fruit, but fruit that would remain. Lord, I know that we are all our own best preachers, that our mouths and our ears are just a few inches apart, and when we speak truth, that we're able to grow from it. And Lord, I just thank you that the truth that you've given me to share with this body of believers this morning would have an impact on my own heart, my own life, my own vision, my own purpose, my own sense of, of being willing to contend for the promises that I know that you gave. Lord, I know that your promises are there, that they are not, they're not faded, they're not anything less than the day that you gave them. Sometimes our faith gets weak. Sometimes we get into a place where we're looking at things sideways. And we forget that when we look back from your perspective, that it's all leading us forward. That when we walk through the valley and the shadows of, of places that are dark, that it's you that are there with us. That you and your rod and your staff, you comfort us. You lead us through. Lord, I know that there's just... Uh, there's so many different people that hear these messages. There's so many different places that their lives are in. But one thing is common. Without you, without your saving grace, without your mercy that you showed us at the cross, there's not a single one of us who can attain to that place you prepared for us. It was your blood that was shed. It was your sacrifice that was made. And Lord, all you ask from us is that we stop striving in our own strength and that we recognize that it is you who have made the way for us. That when we surrender to you, you will raise us up into places where we'll do mighty battles and we'll have mighty... Uh, feats of victory, Lord, with you and your spirit inside of us, fighting with us and through us. But Lord, we don't enter that way. We enter in 
through coming to the end of our own strength and our own goodness and our own righteousness that's apart from the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning I just pray that you'd stir hearts as they leave, Lord. Maybe it's the moments when we find ourselves just in our own space, in our own alone time, that you can just re remind us, re refire us, re-encourage us that there is a generation who does not have a clue, not even a concept sometimes, not even a concept that you're real, much less that you're good, much less that you love them, and even less that you've already done for them all that they need to ever have. So Lord, this morning we just acknowledge our need for you. We receive, Lord, the grace that you've promised us, that your mercies are new every morning, and this morning is another morning that we need your mercy, we need your grace. We need your cleansing, we need reminded that you've made us righteous in Jesus Christ. And that is one thing that we never have to contend for, you've made us righteous. You have given us freely the gift of salvation. All you need is for us to simply confess and believe. So Lord, this morning we do believe and we do confess that you are Lord, and that you have been raised from the dead through the Father's power and through his intention so that we can truly live a life that glorifies you and that brings a light into this dark world that we live in right now. And it's all for your glory, Lord. It's all for your namesake that we can do anything good and that we can make any difference at all. And so we do it all in your name, Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray this morning. Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And God's people all said together, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Folks, if there's any prayer request that you have, if there's any touch that you need in your body this morning, why don't you come to the front? We have a prayer team that is devoted to praying for you and seeing God move. You're welcome to come to the front. Now the altar is open.